seen the sky so blue. The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. The KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. And actually, Maria is on a well deserved vacation uh, with Bob and uh, some friends. And so it's Tim Hughes here, sort of like old home week as uh, Tim and Ton get back together for a Saturday on the Greenhouse. And I was uh, grateful for the invitation to do so, particularly. On a day when we get to be out on a beautiful Saturday, we're at Weber Basin Water Conservancy District. The Garden Fair is going on until 2 this afternoon. Ton, uh, we've got uh, Dave Rice back with us. He's the Conservation Division Manager. What they didn't tell us was that along with all of the other festivities, magicians and things, there's an air show uh, <laughs> that happens from time to time. <laughs> How'd you arrange for uh, Hill Air Force Base to chime in today? You know, we're, we just got connections. <laughs> you know, we, we get the air show every single day. I'll bet which you is do. Cool. That's just the sound of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you'll hear that uh, from time to time in the background. But, man, it's a busy day here. Uh, yeah. You've had days where uh, the weather wasn't cooperating, but this isn't one of them. Oh, it's beautiful out here today. You need to come to the garden. Of all days, the weather is perfect. The garden is beautiful right now. We've got, the, like you mentioned, all the activities and things going on. So definitely, if you're in the area, you're close by, come and check it out. Now, you've got the balloons for the kids. There's free hot dogs and chips. You've got information booths from several uh, government community entities that are into conservation things, how to do things using best practices, have a beautiful yard and reduce costs. You've got vendors out just with anything from plants to crafts. I mean, this is literally a garden fair. Yeah, yeah, that's the intent is is to try to help. Uh, I mean, the garden itself is an educational opportunity to come and learn and see things that are here, but to have an event where we bring people, experts and, and others that are doing similar things together, you know, that's a perfect opportunity. If you have plant questions, if you've got some things, if you want to buy something, come to the fair today and, and you'll get some answers to questions. Maybe if you've you know, got questions about lawn or trees or whatever, we're here today to answer a lot of those questions. We're here other days too, but yeah. this is a perfect day to get have a little fun while you're getting that information. Yeah, and while we've got you here, we've been talking about your extensive website with all of the different information on it, and you're getting a plant finder up to where if somebody sees a picture of the garden or is on your website and is interested in something, they can put in a, a do a plant search with all sorts of different parameters and as this gets built out they'll be able to see a picture and have identifying information plus where to grow it how to grow it which is a fantastic resource yeah thank you for bringing that up that that is the intent we get so many questions from people that that are like what can i grow and how does it grow and how big does it get and what kind of water does it need so the intent of what you just described we're calling it our, our plant database or it's our plant finder now it'll be it'll be narrow enough that it is for our garden so it's not an all-encompassing you know every plant in the universe that's going to be water wise or anything like that it is for the plants that are here but but there's two things that can happen one is people can just go to our website and they can use that tool to find a plant and then find information about it and better yet they can come to the garden in addition to that plant searchable database 
here, if they come here, we're actually developing, a, there's a little kiosk that'll be in the building that you can actually map it. And so with the map, they can identify where this plant is in the garden. Wow. And then on our plant tags, there's a QR code. So as they're walking around with their phone, if they scan that code, it will then populate that information right to the phone. But here's what you're looking at. Here's the plant requirements. Here's some seasonal photos of that. That's the ultimate end is this will be a, a fantastic resource, whether you're in the garden or not, but hopefully in the garden as you navigate around and like, oh, here's where I can find that plant in the garden. And here's the information about it. And everything is clearly labeled. It's one of the great things I've always loved about uh, coming here is you don't have to know a lot about plants. If you see one that, and a lot of these areas may be similar to the growing space you have at home. Uh, yeah. s- some are in, uh, you know, just bark or, or others are in some other kind of compost or something. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know, that's kind of like the side of our house on the north yeah. side or the west side. That plant looks beautiful here. Maybe it'll work in my yard. Yeah, exactly. That is that is part of the the intent of the whole design of the garden is I mean you come to these spaces sometimes it's a little hard to grasp you know it's big and it's open and and you know, it's like where where would my house fit into this space but the idea is you're not necessarily trying to take the whole thing and put it into your yard it's looking for things that might fit that one corner of your yard that unique space is like oh I have a space similar to that. Here's some cool plants that might work. And here's some combinations of plants that go together in that kind of a space. And here's how they're irrigated, right? So all of that goes together. Well, and this is, this garden is a working garden. It's a practical garden. It's meant to be seen for ideas Mm -hmm. on how to landscape. It is not a Red Butte garden to where you might have this unique, unique tree this is the only one in the Intermountain West this is all these are all plants and there's a wide variety of things that you can purchase from local garden centers yeah that is also of course we all I mean I'm a plant I'm a horticulture guy right we all love the the cool plants the unique things but that is I think thank you for bringing that that is one of the really important things is it doesn't do us any good to have that one specimen that you can't find some exotic plant yeah it's cool but it doesn't do us any good Our, our message and information is we want people to be able to come and be able to go to a nursery and find this stuff. Now, granted, over time, new hybrids, new cultivations come out, new things come out that maybe we don't have, but they can they can still take what they've found here, go to the nursery, and maybe they get the newest cultivation of that plant. But you know, it, they can find stuff that's here. Yeah, uh, I was just looking at the uh, plant finder, the plant list that you've got on the website, which is just uh, WeberBasin.com, and there's a, a box you can click on, select a plant, type below, grasses, ground covers, perennials, shrubs, succulents, uh, trees, turf, and you just click on that, and it kind of takes you to the next yes. level of things. So Yeah, and then the ultimately, again, this is being built out. This is a work in progress, so it's not finished yet, but the ultimate idea is once you select the plant type, if you have uh, preferences of color, you're looking for a pink flowering shrub, you know, you, then you're, you're in the shrub category, you can search, and then hopefully it brings up at least what we've got that fits into your category of what you're looking for. So it's searchable, it's educational, gives you the, the plant descriptions and needs and so forth. And hopefully, you know, when people use this tool, they're, they're more educated, their understanding of how these plants can be used, how they grow, what, what to care, how, they, how to care for them. Yeah, it's just a great resource. I know peripherally the work that goes into creating and maintaining something like that, and it but it's a great community resource. Mm-hmm. So you know we really like that. You know, and I'll just mention again that we have people you know coming in from the community, and it's just a great fair to come see, get the information, entertain the kids, yeah. and come and find out about landscaping, not only 
what to do, but how to do it. Get ideas, take pictures. Just a great resource. Yeah, we also have a few other resources. I, we, on our website, lists a bunch of conservation education programs. There's incentive programs, rebate programs. You know, removing turf is a thing now. There's you know, there's lots of information there. So you can get information here today. You can get on our website. But today is a day we just invite people out. Come and get familiar with our garden, and we'd love to be have people come back every day. This yeah. is a, a resource that's open to the public all the time. Which is important for people to know. Uh, coming up at 1030, about uh, 15 minutes away, their uh, next garden tour will be taking place. And for the kids, the magician is back at it at 11 o'clock. We'll get to some phone calls after this quick break. Uh, Dave is in Provo. We'll talk to Stephen in Midvale and Katie in Mill Creek. And it looks like one more is coming through. Kevin's going to check in with us from Centerville. More of the KSL Greenhouse coming up. And we welcome you back to the KSL Greenhouse on the road today. Tim Hughes in for Maria. Tom Bettis, of course, is here, horticulturist from Utah State University. We're at uh, the Weber Basin Water Conservancy's annual garden fair here for uh, a beautiful day today. I want to grab one or two texts if we can, Ton, and I I don't do this to shame the person that texts us because I'm sure a lot of people would have the same question. But I think it will be instructive uh, to uh, follow up on this. Can you give me some suggestions for a tree front yard? Uh, depends on which way your house faces. Need more details. Depends on how big that front yard is. Walk me through three or four things you need to know about picking a tree. That'll be helpful for them and others, I think. Type of soil the tree will tolerate. If you have clay soil, sandy soil, what the salinity is, if it's um, the pH are all going to be important. So you need to know basics about your soil and then exposure, how much sunlight is there. And so usually a tree needs about eight hours of sunlight a day. You also are going to need to take into account the amount of wind and other weather environmental factors that would influence. And I think one of the most important also is how big can the tree get? Yeah. Because, you know, people all the time, we see people planting in their park strips and front yards these cute little trees that are going to get 50 or 60 feet high. And even when you tell them that, they don't fathom the distance. And so when you start saying that stack five or six basketball hoops on top of each other at 10 feet each, that's how big that tree is going to get. And if that tree came down unexpectedly, what would be in its way would be something else to have to worry about. I'm sure Maria shared on the air. Uh, taking the trees out. Her spruce that died, all the oak that died. And, you know, it completely changed the dynamics of her yard from a shade-based yard to a sun-based yard. And she's redoing the whole landscape because a lot of the things she had planted just didn't work anymore. And that is going to be a costly fix. It is. Yeah. Uh, All right. Thanks for the text, though, by the way. Dave's on the line in Provo. Dave, we'll get you in here. Welcome into the KSL Greenhouse. Hello, and good morning, and happy Saturday. Thank you. I, uh, I've i been growing fruit trees at my various homes for over 30 years, particularly peach trees, and uh, moved to Provo about three years ago, and this is the second time in Provo. I've uh, got an apple pear in Alberta that are uh, doing really well. They're all uh, fourth season. I've got two hails, though, that uh, are their second season, but yet they have a, a really large crop on them. However, we just noticed about a week ago that there is black, mushy stuff coming up from the uh, the base of the tree of the root. It's kind of like black cream of wheat is the best way I can describe it. Well, it, I've been able to hang on it and have you, figure out what it is. What can I do? 
tried getting, say, some plastic silverware or something or plastic, like, fork or knife and just scraping it away from the trunk. I have it. If it's kind of a gelatinous substance. And I just uh, came out this morning to look at it, and it's just, yeah, I'm right here right now. It kind of like starts at red, kind of a reddish. Yeah. Uh, and and does it have black. kind of a gelatinous texture to it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's actually greater peach tree borer. Yee. So have you been treating the trees for peach tree borer? Um, actually, I just saw the big uh, yellow worm I just pulled out. <laughs> yeah, so get those out of there if you can get access to them. And if the trees are okay. healthy... You know, you might thin that fruit a little bit, but you're going to need to treat for greater peach tree borer once a month, okay. starting about now. And something like permethrin, like the uh, 38 plus, you can pick up from local garden centers, IFA, Steve Regan. But 38 plus, you spray that once a month on the lower limbs and at the trunk, and especially around the base, to keep female moths from uh, laying new eggs on your trees. Okay, and what's that called again? Uh, 38 plus. Per, perma? Permethrin is the permethrin, active ingredient. Okay. Yeah, active ingredient. But the a common product that's registered is called 38 plus. Don't spray it on your fruit, just the trunk, right. lower limbs, and okay. especially around the base. Awesome. Knew you'd have an answer. Worth the wait. <laughs> All right, Dave, thanks. Thank you. And that's a good one for uh, anybody who's got a peach tree right now, isn't it? It really is. You know, those peach trees, you get them up, you get them productive, and all of a sudden they die. Mm. You know, you lose half one year or else all the leaves start to fall off. And if you're not treating regularly for greater peach tree borer, you almost may as well not plant peaches because they're just out there and so susceptible to yeah, it. Such an important So part. the USU Pest Lab updates, and so if you will do a Google search of USU Extension fruit updates and subscription, and just, just subscribe to the fruit updates, and they will tell you every few weeks what you need to be doing with your fruit trees. Somebody asked a minute ago on a text if it's too late to be treating for grubs, it's actually might be a little early, isn't it? A little early to a perfect time. Okay, good. I would go ahead and get that grub killer down. Once we're in the 70s and low 80s, that's when those grubs and the sod webworms and everything else are becoming active, and so it's time to get that down. So they'll start working their way up. All right, uh, Stephen in Midvale, we'll get you in here. What's going on with your lawn? All right, thanks for taking my call. I... Uh... I well, my lawn started off looking really good at the start of the year, and I put down a couple rounds of fertilizer. And ever since it, um, it there's like lime green, kind of like neon green patches, and it, it just looks kind of kind of funny. And I don't know, I've never seen something like that. And if you had any advice on it, there may be a, just a little bit too much fertilizer where you're seeing those lime green patches. Okay. It's common when yeah. a lawn gets a little too much that the grass grows so quickly that it doesn't get enough chlorophyll into the grass blades, and they turn kind of that lime green. Okay. Is it something that will eventually just go away? Or yeah, it will. I mean, it, over a month or two, it should go away. Now, there are also a few weedy grass species that are lime green. And so after four, between four and six weeks, if they don't dissipate, you could have a weedy grass that's worked its way in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely do notice it more in the shadier parts. So 
Um, I guess that it, I don't know if that is a chlorophyll thing. If it, if it, it may be, but if it's more in the shady part, I mean, the other thing is that a species like red fescue is a little bit lighter green. And it's more shade tolerant, so it could be with some fertilization starting to become more dominant in those areas, too. But it would have come out, it wouldn't have come out looking like the rest of the lawn in the beginning. Yeah, if it was the fertilizer, it would have, the grass would have been its normal self, and then all of a sudden, a week or two after the fertilization, those patches would have turned lime green if it was too much fertilizer. That's what what makes me suspicious that maybe it's not a different variety of grass, that it's the fertilizer thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. I appreciate it. All right, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, boy, we've got 90 seconds here. Let's see if we can get uh, Katie taken care of. Katie in Mill Creek, uh, we have a short time, but let's see if we can help. Okay, great. I have an amaryllis bulb that's on its second year, and I'm getting a little shoot from the base of the bulb, a brand-new little plant of three long 18-inch leaves coming up from the base, not at the top where it's the onion onion paper and then it goes up into the other leaves and the and the flowering bulb so those are wondering little, if i should take that off uh you can those are little bulblets you could take those off and just plant them in a new pot that was my question can you grow those then you can it would take a few years for them to flower they eventually would but yeah you can just take okay, those off i was if you worried want. that i might i might injure the bulb if i try to cut that away from it but it's fine I can when you cut would that do away it and... is in late summer when you need it to go dormant so that it will form flowers for the winter in the meantime, should I break those those off or just let them grow? If you can without damaging the main bulb, yes. If not, wait. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for the call, and that'll get us out uh, right on time here. Just uh, time to remind you again that we're at Weber Basin Water. We're only here till the top of the hour, but they'll be uh, continuing the garden fair until about 2 this afternoon, and I was looking at the radar. I think Mother Nature is going to cooperate with that timing. Uh, There is an increased chance of showers after 1 o'clock this afternoon, particularly at this end of the valley. But what a beautiful day to come out. And they're a couple of minutes away from their next garden tour. The magician uh, will be back for the kids at 11 o'clock. They'll have another garden tour at 1130. And then the uh, water treatment tour is uh, taking place right at high noon today. Lots of food, lots of fun. Bring the whole family and enjoy this weather. We'll have more of the greenhouse on the other side of a news update.